Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to welcome everyone who's, who's here with us in person. Also welcome those who are joining us online. Um, you know, many of those people who join us online join us every Sunday. I saw LaVon Nunn's name on there, and we're grateful for her presence um, today in worship and, and many others. We're, we're involved in this series, and we're actually wrapping it up today, where uh, we're looking at... Um, Secular songs, songs that we find in our culture, and, and, and exploring what is the spiritual message behind some of these songs. And so I want to begin this morning with a quote. The first murder recorded in the history of man was when Cain killed his brother Abel. No doubt people wrote and sang songs about it, and we've been doing it ever since. Far be it from me to call the death of Jesus of Nazareth a murder, but I must say it had all the trappings of a mob lynching. What with the common populace screaming, crucify him. The Sanhedrin, the ruling religious body saying, it is expedient that one man should die for the people. And the final authority, the Roman puppet government, allowing it to happen by washing their hands of the matter. How many songs did that death spawn? No one knows. But there are thousands, and they are still being written today. Jesus' death and resurrection remain the most inspiring subject for songwriters in history. Those are the words of Johnny Cash. Um, he, he wrote that as part of the liner notes to a comp compilation of murder ballads that he released in the year 2000. Now, some might ask, why Johnny Cash? Why look at his songs and particularly his murder ballads? Is there any good news in these songs of tragedy and violence? Well, I admit that on first listen, we may not catch what is going on in these songs. These songs are powerful stories that often shock us with their violence. For instance, in Folsom Prison Blues, the protagonist shoots a man just to watch him die. In Delia's Gone, the murder is described in vivid detail. First time I shot her, I shot her in the side. Hard to watch her suffer, but with a second shot, she died. In fact, the video for this song, which was released in 1994, had to be edited before they'd even play it on MTV. This is what we notice the first time that we hear these songs. But if this is all that we notice, we have misunderstood these murder ballads. Johnny Cash did not write these songs in order to glorify violence. He did not write them to shock people. He wasn't trying to go viral in order to sell more records. There is more depth to these songs than the violence that is obvious. And we should not dismiss the fact that when asked about these murder ballads, Cash himself pointed to figures within the Bible. So what is the message behind these songs of violence? What did Johnny Cash want us to understand? Well, the first thing that we need to do if you're listening to these songs, you need to pay attention to the entire song. Don't just look at the violence. Don't just pay attention to the action that's going on. Ask yourself, what does this violence do to a person? 
Or maybe, what are the consequences of murder? The purpose of Johnny Cash's murder ballads is not the violence because he never stops there. The, the, the songs go on. They, they continue to explore what this violence actually does to human beings. Now, a songwriter would not do this if he or she wanted to just simply glorify violence. These songs are interested in the repercussions of such violence. They are a warning to anyone who listens. Be careful. Sin is dangerous. Violence takes a toll. So let me give you a few examples. Of course, uh, Johnny Cash's most famous murder ballad is Folsom Prison Blues. And here's that second verse. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy. Don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. And when I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. Now here's a man who knows right from wrong. He had a good mother, but he goes out and he does bad anyway, and he shoots a man. He ends up in jail, but that's not all. Do bad and go to jail. That's, that's a pretty simplistic message, but, but Johnny Cash goes deeper. He describes what murder does to one's soul. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. In the very next verse, he talks about being tortured from within. And so murder is not glorified. Murder is damaging to the soul. We see something similar in Delia's Gone. And I want us to look at the verse that comes right after the one that we looked at earlier where he describes the shooting and he finds it difficult um, to just sit there and watch her die. L listen to what happens next. But jailer, oh jailer, jailer, I can't sleep. Because all around my bedside, I hear the patter of Delia's feet. Delia's gone, one more round, Delia's gone. And so here's a song about two lovers who cannot get along. And eventually the man shoots the woman. And he goes to jail for his crime. But that's not the worst part. What bothers this man the most is that he is haunted by what he has done. He has not just injured another human being, he has injured his own soul. And he can't sleep because he's done something awful. Others have seen this. Outsiders have picked up on what Cash is doing. I, I want you to hear what Quentin Tarantino, he, he's a Hollywood film director, says about these songs. And, and this man is not a Christian, he's not a church-going man, but he understands that these songs have death and there's something going on. He says, Cash sings tales of men trying to escape, escape the law, escape the poverty they were born into, escape prison, escape madness, escape the people who torture them. But the one thing Cash never lets them escape is regret. Cash's criminal life songs rarely take place during the high times. In fact, most songs take place after the cell door has slammed shut or a judge's gavel has condemned a man to death. And when a man faces a rope or 99 years in a cage for the choices he made, when he tells the stories of those choices, he tells it not with bravado, but an overwhelming sense of regret. Regret 
for the freedom he lost. Regret for the non-life he faces. Regret for the road he chose. Regret for the life not lived that only now does he realize was decent and noble. Regret for the violence inside of him that he could have controlled, but which he let control him. Regret for the one moment of violence that took everything from him and cannot be taken back, and even a killer's regret for his victim, as the man who shot Delia twice tells his jailer. Tarantino is right. These aren't simple murder ballads. There's something more going on. These are songs about sin and what sin does to a person's soul. Now, we may never get close to murdering a person. I hope we don't. But there's something for us to learn in these songs. These are songs that teach us much about the nature of sin. These are songs that teach us about what we're doing to ourselves when we commit sin. And so we want to ask ourselves this, what is sin? Well, when you begin to read Scripture, you'll discover that the Bible has different ways of describing sin. There's not just one. And how we understand sin is important. It's important for how we deal with sin ourselves. And it's important for how we treat others who are dealing with sin. Modern Christians tend to view sin as transgression. And so we see sin as transgressing or violating God's law. And, and so we, we view sin through this legal lens. We're, we are guilty, and therefore we need someone to pardon us of our wrongdoings. Now that's one way of viewing sin. And there's nothing wrong with it. We find examples of it in Scripture. But it's only one way. And that way of viewing sin is very black and white. We commit the sin, we're guilty, we are pardoned, and then everything's good, right? The problem is that this simplistic view of sin does not give us the full picture. The, the people we find in Johnny Cash's murder ballads are haunted by their sin. There's more going on here than just a transgression. It does something to the soul. It changes a person and not for better. You might describe it as a sickness. In fact, this was often how the early church described sin. They, they viewed sin as a wound or a sickness. Uh, John Chrysostom said, sin is a wound, repentance is a medicine. Well, where did the early church get this idea that sin is sickness? Well, they got it from Scripture. They got it from Jesus. We can look to the Gospels. Here's just one example from the Gospel of Mark. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. 
Jesus is known as the great physician, just like that hymn we sung a few moments ago. Why? Because he heals us of our sickness. What is the sickness? It is sin. We sometimes sing, there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. You see, sin makes us less than whole. It takes something from us. It poisons our soul. And when we begin to understand sin as sickness, we will understand what sin does to us. There's no such thing as a little white lie. There's no such thing as a harmless sin. This is why the, the end never justifies the means. Anytime that we commit sin, we're, we're doing something to ourselves and we're introducing something that is not good into this world. When we do what is wrong, we are doing harm to our spiritual selves, our, our soul. There's the wrong of sin, what we might call the transgression, but then there's also what sin does to us. We actually see this described in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2, where Paul says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. What do lies do to us? What does sin do to us? One of the things it does to us, according to Paul in this passage, is it sears our conscience. It is a sickness that influences who we are and who we will be. It changes us in ways that are not good. And if we continue in the sin, we may reach a point in our lives where even our conscience is not going to help us. We're going to struggle to know right from wrong. We need to be healed. You may have seen the quote that is sometimes shared around social media that says, the church is not a museum for saints, it is a hospital for sinners. And it kind of sounds like a modern quote, but it's actually based off of a very ancient one. It was John Chrysostom who said, the church is a hospital and not a courtroom for souls. He's saying that, that we have a duty as the church, as the body of Christ, to help people with the sickness of sin. The early church understood that people need help. When we become Christians, our sins are forgiven, but the effects of sin, they linger. We need to be healed. And the church is to help with this. The church is a community where we can confess our sins to one another. The church is a body that practices spiritual disciplines that, that help to heal us of the influences of sin. The church is a group dedicated to helping one another in their journey to being transformed into the image of Jesus. And so understanding sin is sickness not only helps us know what sin does to us, but it also helps us to minister to people 
who are in need. That's what Jesus was doing when he was being questioned by the Pharisees. They, they wondered, why are you with these people? He says, I came for the sick. Johnny Cash sang a lot of songs about murder and its consequences. But what's fascinating is he did not stop there. Cash was not just concerned with what sin does to a person. He was also concerned with the person. You see, Cash didn't just sing murder ballads. He went to prisons. And he ministered to prisoners. When we understand sin as a legal concept, there's a temptation to distance ourselves from the sinners. And we have to be careful of this because religious people do this over and over again. It's what's going on with the Pharisees. It happens in modern times as well. We, we just see things as black and white. We are innocent and they are guilty. We are right, they are wrong. But when we make the shift to seeing sin as sickness, it changes our approach to sinners. And so we're not so worried about keeping the guilty out. We concern ourselves with ministering to the sick. We understand what sin does to us. And, and as we're all on this road to recovery, we want to help others along the way. When we view sin as sickness, we know that we're not better than anyone else. We are all patients in need of healing. And if we can help someone, then we're glad to do so. We are all that good Samaritan who, who when he sees a wounded person, he, he doesn't hesitate to stop and render them aid. We're ready to help bind the wounds of a fellow traveler. Although it may not seem like it, there is good news in these murder ballads. Sin is sickness. It damages us. It distorts our souls. However, we are not without hope. One of Johnny Cash's most famous albums is Live from Folsom Prison. And on that album, he sings several murder ballads. There's Folsom Prison Blues and there's Long Black Veil. But he ends the album with a song that includes these words. Inside the walls of prison, my body may be, but my Lord has set my soul free. There's a graystone chapel here at Folsom, a house of worship in this den of sin. You wouldn't think that God had a place here at Folsom, but he saved the souls of many lost men. Sin is a sickness, but there is a cure. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Sin affects us all. And yet no one is without hope. Not even a murderer. Because Jesus truly is the great physician. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you today and we're grateful to be able to gather in this place of worship to honor you, to glorify you, to sing praises to your name. And Father, you know better than all of us what sin does to a person. May we never take sin lightly. May we never dismiss it easily. May we understand that when we sin, and we know that we all do, that we are doing damage to ourselves and others. Father, none of us are innocent here. We're all guilty. We're all sinners. We're all on a journey together. We all need your healing. So I ask you to heal us and to help us, and may we be a help to others whom we meet. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.